Okay, Blake, episode three, back again. Currently facing Chicago, middle of the fifth. Um, I assume Wade Miley is going back out, especially with a spot in the order coming up. You've been watching the game just like I have. Any thoughts, suggestions, questions on anything that has happened so far? Well, uh, Miley, for the most part, seems to be the same old way Miley would come to expect. Um, it's been a little shaky tonight. Um, I think he's gone through 60, 70 some odd pitches so far in the fifth inning. And, uh, but, but he has, uh, He's been a workhorse, just like he's always been so far this year. Um, Kyle Farmer, uh, we talked about this before we started. Um, he has caught fire lately. Um, so far, a home run and a triple tonight, two for two. Actually, pardon me, two for three. Just uh, just struck out, I believe. Um, makes you wonder... If uh, if trading for a shortstop is the right move for us to make, yeah, and I think we kind of touched on that last episode too, in the fact that um, it's kind of hard to justify trading for a big piece and giving up pieces when you have guys that have been performing. Um, I think the trade deadline is more of we're looking for guys to improve our team. And obviously Trevor's story, Miguel Rojas would be an improvement. But um, we were going back and forth today on those rumors about Nick Ahmed and those types of guys. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, Nick Ahmed is really just an overpriced Kyle Farmer. Um, I don't know if he's made any all-stars or accumulated stats like that, but I like Kyle Farmer more on that point of we've seen him produce all year. Plus, we always have that versatility of he can go behind the plate. He can go in the outfield. Um, he can really hit probably middle of your lineup to bottom of your lineup. I wouldn't necessarily say top because it's hard to uh, hard to put him in with Castellanos coming back, but it's really hard for me to justify that when you've got a guy that's playing at the level he's been playing at this year. Absolutely. And, you know, with his sort of versatility, um, I also touched on this. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, we end up trading for a shortstop and then we may slide him over to third uh, with Suarez's struggles and uh, the injury to Moustakis. Um, you know, obviously they're trying to get him back as soon as possible. Um, they're setting him up for a rehab assignment, um, hopefully sometime in August, but um, who knows at that point, especially with his injury. Um, so time will only tell. There is a lot of time between now and 5 o'clock on July 30th. Yeah. Um, and to touch on Wade Miley, I think um, watching this game, I think this is more of the Wade Miley we've come to expect um, or at least expected when he signed. Uh, more of a pitch to contact. You know, he's given up six hits in four innings. Um, only striking out two, walking four. Um, the walks are kind of high this game, but, you know, it happens. Um, but he's never really been that uh, strikeout guy before this year, which, I mean, he's got 80, 86 strikeouts and 106 innings pitched, which – isn't blowing anybody away, but on Wade Miley's standards, for us, he's been exactly what we need. 
So going through, we are officially still six and a half games back. Hopefully that changes sometime soon. It is, at least for me, um, watching, let's put it like this. At least for me, watching the Brewers get swept by the White Sox, I would have really, really hoped for more of a jump. Um, When your division leader gets swept and you're in second place and you don't make that jump, I think it's really, really disappointing because of you don't know when they're going to catch that skid again. And they played a really, really good White Sox team. So to not pounce on that was really, really disappointing in my eyes. Absolutely. And they're, that's especially compounded by the fact that they're coming up on a series with the Pirates. And you know, maybe they continue their skid, but I don't think it's very likely considering the shape that the Pirates have been in all year. Um, you know, obviously... Going against a last-place team, you're more likely to uh, come out of that with a series victory than you are a uh, series loss and losing ground on your division, but who knows? Yeah, it's it's very tough to uh, – because baseball is all about ups and downs, and you're going to have your ups and you're going to have your downs, and it's going to happen to every team. But there's just sometimes you need to would like to see a little bit more out of, you know, when the leader gets swept, you just have to capitalize. Um, Because if you if you would have taken. I don't know, let's say let's say you're five games back or five and a half, whatever it is, you want to inch that much closer and be as close as you can come that last month, half month of the season to where you can put yourself in a good position. So not gaining ground when you know that the Brewers are only going to lose a certain amount of games and you only have the opportunity to win a certain amount of games. You just really, really have to bear down and take, take advantage of every chance you can get, especially when they get swept. And especially when we played St. Louis, I that was, you know, New York maybe not so much going two series back, but St. Louis was such a key series. We did take two out of three, but that New York series kind of put us at a disadvantage, um, especially losing that last game, 15 to 11. We burned through our bullpen, um, you know, a lot of pitchers, they were out there for a long time. It was a long game. You know, just got to start stacking the deck in your favor a little bit more instead of putting yourself behind. Um, so, looking at the standing still, we are six and a half games back. St. Louis, eight games back. Chicago, nine. And Pittsburgh, a whopping 19 and a half games back. Um, I'm surprised that we're only five and a half back of the wild card. That, I was that, very, very surprised. Yeah, that really surprised me too. Um, you know, I, I thought uh, San Diego would be at least over the 60-game uh, win mark by now, but um, that was I, – I saw that stat the other day. That That was very surprising to me. Yeah, the next uh, the next teams are Philadelphia and St. Louis. They're seven games back, and we are currently in third place for that wild card spot. So, you know, not not out of it just yet. Definitely not out of it. Um, so, there's been some shakeups in the division this week, specifically in Pittsburgh and there is maybe a 90 to 95% chance we're looking at more of a widespread sell, especially in Chicago 
Um, so when you're looking at when you're looking at Pittsburgh and and uh, Chicago and you're hearing rumors about St. Louis, is there any are there any concerns or are you like excited to hear some of these talks? Like, what what do you really think about what's happening and the rumors that are that are being told? I guess. Um, I think it certainly gives us an easier schedule. Um, you know, um, obviously Adam Frazier moving out of uh, Pittsburgh. You know, obviously um, that's one less concern that we have. Um, you know. Guys like uh, Javi Baez and uh, Chris Bryant going on the uh, the trade market that also helps. You know, one name that really surprised me that um, that really wasn't uh, in I guess too many uh, talks was Kyle Hendricks of uh, the Cubs, who started tonight. Um, went four and two thirds innings, I believe. Um, you know, obviously uh, he is their ace, uh, but, you know, I, I think you touched on it before. Uh, why would you have a fire sale and not, you know, sell all these pieces and try to get the most out of them to help build for the future? It, it just doesn't really make all that much sense to me. I mean, I knew, I know you want sort of a face of the franchise um, in some case, but, you know, I I don't really think that uh, Kyle Hendricks is really that much of a face of the franchise sort of guy uh, for the Cubs. Yeah, and we definitely talked about that a little bit too, is that, like – I mean, we can all pretty much assume that Anthony Rizzo is a Red Sox at this point. I mean, there's there's about one team that's been linked. Well, they're uh, breaking news, I guess. Oh. Cubs just traded Andrew Chafin. They're a lefty in their bullpen to Oakland. Um it's pinning a physical, not really, not really a big deal. It's going to happen, basically. Um, he's in Wrigley right now, is he not? Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <laughs> what a shitty way to find out. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that's huge because that's a big piece. I know he. Um, he really struggled against Arizona in that last game when I was watching, but ultimately he had that blow up where he allowed three runs in one inning and he still has a 2.06 ERA. Um, you know, that's huge for us going forward, especially with um, Winker in our lineup. You know, you really want Winker facing righties ultimately. Um, in that matchup because you want him to see more straight than you do balls that are tailing away from him. Um, but, you know, a guy that's only given up 12 walks in 40 innings, 21 hits in 40 innings, and has struck out 37 in 40 innings. You really, really want him out of the division, and he's going to the American League. Absolutely, but, and – but like we touched on before with Kyle Hendricks, you know, I Anthony Rizzo is moving 100%. Uh, I I just can't see a situation where that doesn't happen. Boston needs a first baseman. They have the prospects to do it. Why not? They're in contention. They're in probably the toughest division in baseball with the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays all in that division. Um, it's kind of hard to not say that he's going to be a member of Boston. Um, we've all heard Chris Bryant. He's been kind of at the forefront with Trevor Story in that, in that 
Um, he's been one of the big names that have been tossed around. And obviously, Javi Baez, if you're going to sell one, got to sell all. That mentality of if you do, you're trying to get as much back as you can because why would you pay a guy all this money and do all like have all these assets that are MLB ready when you're not going to compete? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and uh, you know, one facet of that uh, of that Frazier trade, you know, if we you know make the playoffs, we might end up seeing Adam Frazier again anyway, because you know the Padres are you know at the forefront of the wild card talks, and obviously, you know, the NL West is another one of those divisions where it's anyone's game right now, and you know obviously. You know, the Giants are at the top. Uh, you got the Dodgers. You got the Padres. But, you know, they are, in my opinion, I think the Padres, you know, have the tools right now to go to the playoffs. And so we might end up seeing Adam Frazier again. Yeah, and uh, that's the toughest part is that I really wanted – Adam Frazier out of the National League. Um, you know, he's not this big star name like Trevor Story or Chris Bryan or Anthony Rizzo or, you know, household names. But ultimately, he's hitting very, very well. Leads National League in hits. You know, you really, really want guys like that as far as away as you can get. Um, it's not very helpful that he's going to a team that you know is going to compete and that you know if they're in the playoffs and we're in the playoffs, more than likely we're going to see at least one team from the NL West. So you really, really don't. It's good for the immediate future, but going forward in the games that really, really matter to us, um, where we want to be, I think it's going to be super tough to have if they move Hosmer, you've got Cronenworth, Cronenworth, Frazier, Tatis, Machado in that infield. Those are four guys that can just flat out swing it. So, and you're not even counting Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, Will Myers. You know, it, it's just going to be very, very hard to get that lineup out. So moving along to we had talked today about some some teams and some players and we're gonna we're gonna go through and kind of um, predict or maybe go through some logic to see what we think some of, is gonna happen to some of these guys, where they're gonna end up, maybe if they end up anywhere else, you know, if they even get traded. So the first team that we that we were really talking about was Minnesota. And they had already traded Nelson Cruz, which he stays in the AL in that tough division. There's a chance, slim, because I really think the Yankees are going to be the odd man out. However, there is a slim chance that they don't make the playoffs. So that would be you know, thinking really, really far ahead, but World Series, the Rays are in there. It's going to be tough with Nelson Cruz. He just can flat out hit again. A guy that you can just go up there and you know he's going to give you 300. You know he's going to give you 40 home runs. You know he's going to give you 100 RBIs. So to have a guy like that in the playoffs is very, very scary. The ageless wonder. Like, 40-some-odd years old, and he's still hitting, like, 500-foot dongs. It's crazy. So, um, some more news with Minnesota. They've got to be selling, right? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these, you know, reports and stuff, and I'm hearing... Rogers, 
Bucks and Twins can't reach a contract extension um, from Ken Rosenthal and Jose Barrios in serious trade talks with San Diego and the Dodgers. So to say that they're not selling, I mean, I just don't see like I could see them trading Nelson Cruz and being like, okay, he's 40. Like he's don't want to jinx myself, but let's say he does retire soon. You know, that's not a big, like big blow to them because they aren't really competing this year. But if they kept that core intact and only moved Cruz, I feel like they'd still be in a really good spot. But then you hear how Buxton wants more, just more everything. And the twins aren't willing to give it to him. And they're shopping around Jose Barrios, arguably their best pitcher. So hard and Taylor Rogers didn't even mention him probably their best bullpen piece too. So it's really hard to like take them seriously as contenders moving forward. When all you hear is they're shopping around their top starter, top bullpen guy and top fielder. Yeah. And I think the, uh, the Buxton rumor was pretty much the nail in the coffin. Um, you know, obviously for as much star power as that guy has, and he's been an anchor in that lineup for you know years. Um, you know that that's a really big blow. And then obviously, you know your ace Barrios, um, he's obviously going to go out west, which is just going to make those teams even more fearsome than you know anyone can imagine, really. Um, and then Rogers, I I think that's a given. He's probably going to be gone anyway, um, just because it's such a big reliever market right now. I mean, all thirty teams need relievers. Um, and, you know, the Twins are out of it, so I I think no matter what, you know, Taylor Rogers is gone, and you know, hopefully he ends up in a Reds uniform. Yes, we can we can pray and hope. To the almighty Bobby Castellini. I don't think, uh, I think Nick Kroll um, mixed opinions, so what? But I think really what's holding him back is the same as Dick Williams. He's being told that he cannot spend money um, and that he is going to have to work with what he has. And I think that's why we saw Suarez at the beginning of the year at short. I think that's why we see Lorenzen kind of bouncing around in between bullpen starter and not to even mention the names that we have Santion Hoffman bouncing around kind of um, even Gutierrez has been up and down daily on. We released him early. Like I think he's being told that he cannot spend money or else we would have already spent that money. And Moving on to the next team, this is what surprised the hell out of me. I mean, this is coming out of left field. No, I mean, they've been hot lately, but the names that Seattle is talking about, oh boy. So I've heard on Twitter that... Seattle is talking to Cleveland about Jose Ramirez and is also talking to Kansas City about Whit Merrifield. And I'm going to be honest, Whit Merrifield would make that team really, really, really good and really just versatile all around because he's, again, a guy that can play second, short, center right like a guy that you can move around to give guys rest so that at the end of the year you're looking really healthy you're looking really fresh like you've got guys in a rhythm and that can really really help them absolutely you know that that's something i didn't realize before today was you know uh 
I, I mean, I, I obviously knew Seattle was, you know, getting hot down the stretch, but, you know, I didn't realize they were in talks for such big names. Um, so that really surprised me. You know, they're a half game out of the wild card um, in the AL, or one and a half games, pardon me. They're seven and a half, or pardon me, seven back of the AL West. You know, that's a I – I don't think, you know, they're going to win the AL West, but, you know, they are obviously um, – they're up there um, in the wild card. Um, but that was very surprising to me that they were in talks for such big names. And I think what you said was right, that if they get Merrifield, that is a huge boost. Um, not only for the, uh, for the rest factor, but also for the veteran factor, because that is a very young team that they have uh kyle lewis shed long you know those guys um and having a veteran presence in that clubhouse that is a big factor um for success so yeah maybe that puts them over the top yeah it's really hard not to just appreciate the fact that hey maybe they're not the favorite in the west they're not the favorite in the American League, the wild card standings. But when you look at, hey, they're in the race. They're trying to go out there and just bust ass to get a couple guys to boost this team to where they need to be. It's really hard as a Reds fan not to go and like appreciate the fact that like you're hearing all of these names that are being thrown out and then you're kind of like the Mariners, huh? Like it's very, very surprising to me. Um, but it could really, really shake up things in that American League wild card. And if I mean, just looking at this, let's say Tampa Bay makes that wild card. Let's say Oakland slides out of that second spot, especially because they can move really fluidly when Seattle plays Oakland. <laughs> Imagine Seattle in the playoffs. That'd be crazy. That was like a few years ago when um, Colorado made the playoffs, when they basically had Nolan Arenado and Story. And that was it. I mean, I, you know, like how, how did this team beat out three other really solid teams? You know, one, I guess two at the time, but you know, one thing that really sucks about that is uh, I had uh, Kendall Graveman on my list of potential candidates for uh, for trades, and uh, them starting to compete, you know, really kind of puts a, uh, a damper on that. So yeah, hard to uh, <laughs> hard to trade for Jose Ramirez or Whit Merrifield, and then. Trade your best reliever. <laughs> hey, stranger things have happened. Who knows? Um, so, uh, touching again, kind of on ENL West, um, we already talked about Frazier going to San Diego, but ultimately they've been in talks about Scherzer. They've been in talks about Barrios, and the report is is. Hell or high water, they are not leaving Friday without another starting pitcher. Um, so just uh, throw that out there. I don't know if it will be a starting pitcher of the caliber of Barrios or Scherzer, but I'm seeing that it will definitely happen. Um, yeah, I, then, I think in their position, you know, you got to at least get a guy who can just eat innings and uh, and sort of hold his own. Yeah, it'll be – it's really hard to be in that spot of really competing for a playoff spot and needing that one piece, even if it is just a filler to get you to the postseason. 
have that one piece to say, okay, you're going to go out there and you're going to throw every five days because we want you as that sixth starter to give our other guys some rest and some routine like a Blake Snell who has really shouldered the load. You know, he hasn't been what he used to be, but ultimately I think you Darvish is hurt on the IL still. I know he was earlier in the year. Um, let me see that. But it's very um, – or, sorry, to Nelson Lamette. That's who's on the IL, not Darvish. But Lamette, and then you saw Weathers go down with that injury. So when you lose two starters like that, it's not – maybe so much of trying to go out and get a Scherzer. It may be go out and say, I want somebody like a Kyle Hendricks who could go out there and is just going to give you that stability of starting every five days. So I think this is the most important um, story in baseball so far. Um, Trevor Story and Max Scherzer. Um, these are two names that are really going to go in and you know they're going to have an instant, huge, huge impact for a team um, on both sides of the ball, really. Like Trevor Story is that hitter at the plate. He is that guy at the plate. But he, he's also that guy in the field. He's no slouch. So on Twitter, I'm, sur I'm sure everybody saw it today, but – Apparently, New York has officially made an offer for Trevor Story. So I wouldn't be surprised if, looking back, that that happens. Um, apparently, it's for Clint Frazier and two, uh, I would think I saw top 12, top 11, top 12 prospects in their farm system. Um and I think that's a really good return for Colorado. You know, you're getting a guy that can flat out just hit the ball, um, especially going into Colorado. You know that Colorado effect, that course effect, and then you've got two very, very high, highly ranked prospects coming in. You know, and it's hard to like, hard to turn that down. Basically, I think it's it's a lot more than what other teams are going to offer you. Absolutely, and that you know, you mentioned that Coors effect. You know, it, it's really hard to gauge how good a hitter really is um, when you know he's playing night in and night out at Coors Field. Um, you know, obviously, we've seen that with Arenado. You know, he hasn't quite been the same Nolan Arenado that we're used to seeing this year. Um, moving from Colorado to St. Louis. So that's a really big factor. You know, obviously, um, you know, we've been rumored to be looking at shortstops. That might play a big part in our analysis of Trevor Stories. And then um, Scherzer, I've heard a lot of him. Uh, I've heard a lot of talks with him and the Mets. Uh, which would just be an absolute nightmare going up against those guys. I mean, a one-two punch of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, arguably the best two pitchers in baseball, number one and number two. You know, obviously Jake, Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. but By far, far and away. But, you know, just that – that two-headed dragon, that is insane. Yeah, and in a seven-game series, that can be all you need. Um, you know, you've got – let's say you've got DeGrom and Scherzer going game one and game two. You've got that day off for travel. You've got that third starter. Who's to say they don't use DeGrom again on a limited in game four? You Scherzer fool on game five. 
DeGrom starts game seven because he didn't throw as much in game four and Scherzer's coming out of the bullpen for an inning. You saw the Red Sox do it with Chris Sale. You know, who's who's to say that couldn't happen? And if you're going to tell me that Jacob DeGrom is going to pitch for three games in a seven-game series if the schedule and the travel days work out like that, because you know they got to have a media day. Yeah, they've always got to have a media day. So to say that that couldn't work out that way, that's a killer. That I mean, that's at least two out of those three. They're going to win. So two out of three for DeGrom, and then you're talking those game one, two, and then four and five. I mean, that's just looking tough for anybody. I don't care who you are. You know, that's going to be so tough. And especially they've got Stroman, too. That is the perfect third starter if Scherzer goes to New York because he is going to give you a solid outing. He's not going to be that Jacob DeGrom or that Max Scherzer, but he is definitely not a slouch by any means. He's, you know, we saw him, we saw him just last week. So to say that they aren't going to like just blow teams out of the water, that's going to be tough if he moves to New York. And even, um, you know, earlier on, not so much now with St. Louis being further back. Um, but even with St. Louis, you know, if they get into the playoffs with Flaherty, and Scherzer, like using two aces like that in a seven-game series in the World Series or deeper into the playoffs, maybe in the championship series, you know, like in the World Series, I think everybody knows it's sort of like all, all hands on deck, you know. It doesn't matter who's thrown when, you know. In that seventh game, that sixth game, you're really – like it doesn't matter. You're they're gonna put people in who they think give them the best chance to win, even if you did throw 90 pitches three days ago. And Jacob Degrom, Max Scherzer, are those dudes. They could do it. Scherzer That's in the good. NL Central. No, thank you. No, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants that, especially us. But I think this is uh, another interesting one. He has been connected to Houston, uh, I saw, but it's going to be hard for Houston to really trade for anybody with their farm system. You know, we've seen when George Springer left, they brought and even the bullpen, when most of those bullpen guys left, it's really, really hard when you're bringing up guys that nobody's ever heard of and they're hitting a buck 80, buck 60, they've got a seven ERA. It's hard to say, yeah, we're just going to give you Scherzer for basically nothing in return. The most they can offer them of value, I think would be picks because um, you're not going to trade anybody that's MOB ready because you're trying to buy and you're, you don't really have anybody that's really, like, highly touted as that, you know, your top dog and a top dog in baseball. So to go to Houston, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think, I think a good discussion would be, do you think Washington – Washington obviously wants to re-sign Scherzer, at least I would think. Um, who wouldn't, but do you think they would want to re-sign him? And if they do move him, do you think that affects the negotiations sort of between Washington and Scherzer and his agent? You know, I, I don't know if, um, I don't know if they would re-sign him because, you know, he's getting up there in age, um, I don't know if they're what, what you know really what their farm system looks like, but you know I'd imagine 
they don't really have one, anyone of, you know, real, um, I'd, I'd say potential, um, you know, it, especially with the way they've competed these last few years, um, you know, but who's to say, but, you know, I, I think you just go ahead and pull the trigger on it. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's obviously going to want a lot of money, and rightfully so. Um, but I don't think, you know, this would be, you know, the time to re-sign uh, someone of his caliber. Not, not necessarily someone of his caliber, but someone who is getting up there in age like Scherzer is right now. Yeah, and I think uh, you touched on it perfect. It would be, it, I think this is a really good comparison. It'd be like the Reds trying to re-sign Joey Votto to a huge deal. You know, like when his contract's up, when he's, you know, 73 years old. But it's really, like, I think if they re- try and re-sign Scherzer, it's really going to very, very poorly set them up for the future because they won't have that money to spend because you're giving it to a guy that hell who knows he could retire next year. Like you you never really know when, you know, God forbid he gets injured or maybe he's just not there performance wise. So to put that money and maybe that guaranteed money behind it, I just don't see the nationals really, really going for that crazier things have happened um you know there's always been bad contracts with pool holes but at the end of the day guys will get their due for salary cuts they've taken early um and we've especially saw that with pool holes we've seen that with Fado. we've seen that with guys like Verlander, you know, like not necessarily pay cuts, but they've been on those rookie contracts. And then when they expire, they get signed for very, very, very large amounts of money that put teams in a very, very tough position to compete. And maybe the more perfect example is the Angels. Um, You know, it's really hard to I mean, you paid Trout and Rendon. And Otani obviously has been star of baseball this year. I mean, far and away, I think he's the MVP. But ultimately, he's on a two-year, $8.5 million deal. You're not getting generational talents like that for two years, 8.5. So when you're looking back on this angels team, you're like, yeah, Mike Trout's really, 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 really good. Maybe greatest player of all time. Who knows uh, for you to decide, but you've got Otani and Trout probably one, two best players right now. Um, maybe not with Trout injured, but when he came back, maybe, but, and they just can't, win so for the nationals to do that i think would be really very a really really poor decision on their part but you know who knows it could be a repayment of that world series um you never know what can happen so here's the two teams that i really really wanted to talk about and maybe we can go to the Mets first we kind of touched on it already but I think what's even more important is Buster Olney was on SNY which is the broadcasting for the Mets in New York sports Um, and he said that he believes that there is a 100% chance that New York gets either Chris Bryant 
Javi Baez, or Trevor Story. Um, I think it's Chris Bryant, personally. Um, I think they're set up for Chris Bryant. I don't think you trade for Javi Baez because you're not moving Lindor anywhere and you're not moving Baez anywhere because you're paying him all that money and you traded for him with all the assets and everything. So personally, I think you would want to get a guy that can move around positions like that. Um, I think he does fit into that lineup really well. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, you know, you try and risk moving, you know, a big piece like Sori uh, over the third base or something like that. Now, obviously, uh, that infield is crowded. Um, P. Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, uh, Lindor. Um, but, you know, you mentioned that, you know, guys like Ryan, you can move them around. You know, I, I think that's what they end up doing with them. Um, and I, I think they go out and give their all to try and get Bryant. Yeah, and they've been beat up all year. So imagine when Negrom comes back and maybe you get Carrasco back and you've got James McCann, you've got Pete Alonso. McNeil at second. And right now, they've got J.D. Davis realistically at third. Maybe Guillermo. I mean, I just don't see how you could really trade for anybody but Chris Bryant. Um, third base is obviously where you're lacking. Got Dominic Smith. In left, Brandon Nimmo in center with Kevin Pillar kind of backing up, uh, filling in innings when needed in outfield positions, and Conforto in right. I just – adding Chris Bryant to that lineup, imagine this. Adding Chris Bryant to that lineup and adding Scherzer to that rotation. That is a scary, scary ball club. That is deadly. Absolutely we haven't even mentioned that Taiwan Walker is having an all-star year and they just traded for Rich Hill. So you're thinking DeGrom, Scherzer, Stroman, Walker, Rich Hill. And then you've got a lineup of McCann, Alonzo, McNeil, Bryant, Lindor, Dom Smith, Nimmo, Conforto. Insane. That's an all-star team. That is insane. That is a super team. And, you know, maybe them trading for Rich Hill and maybe getting Carrasco back is like a shy away from Scherzer because you don't want too much pitching. But, you know, that would be scary if that happens. So moving on to the last team, and I emphasize last because we're going to Chicago, seeing, talking about the crybabies. Here come the crybaby cubbies. So they're selling, obviously, and we we have already touched on this a little bit, but ultimately, um, you know, we just saw Chafin to Oakland. You're, you saw Jock to Atlanta. You're going to see Rizzo to Boston. You're probably going to see Bryant to New York. Where does that put Javi Baez? That, that is a very good question. Um, With the money he wants, that's just insane. Um, I, I don't see him getting the money that he wants. And I don't, I'm not sure if they end up trading buyers, really. Um, I'm not sure where he would go. Um, it, it's just a very 
strange predicament. Um, as the that. Um, but it's it's mind-boggling, really. Um, but like you said, you know, Chafin's gone now. Um, Rizzo just about gone. Um, Bryant. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Um, I don't know. It, it's a very... And obviously, you know, he's 28, 29, something like that. Um, yes, 28. 28. But, I mean, I just... I had the same thought process. And because when you look around the league and you're thinking about a lot of these uh, teams, I mean, I, I just wouldn't – nobody – Javi Baez is not this superstar anymore. You know, maybe he is household name and maybe he can provide you those highlights on Twitter and YouTube and whatever, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you're paying ten million dollars. Obviously, you're gonna—it's gonna be prorated from that for how much he plays. But you know, I'm personally, who wants to pay that money for a guy that's not gonna do a lot for you, and especially down the stretch. He's not a guy that can move around on the field. I mean, he can play second, say that. But at the end of the day, I'm not – I don't think anybody's going out of their way to give up a lot or give up anything really for bias. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent. So, to, I mean, to just trade, trade your system or maybe one of the top guys in your system – because that's what Chicago is ultimately going to want back. To me, it's just not a very, uh, very likely scenario. Maybe, maybe I'm biased because I hate the Cubs. But like looking at this, so let's just look at this. I'm comparing the standard stats between the season that Javi Baez is having and the season that Kyle Farmer is having. Kyle Farmer has less plate appearances. He has 60 less at-bats and only has 16 less hits. He has... the. I guess you can count the home runs and RBIs because they do matter. But Javi Baez has struck out 130 times. Kyle Farmer struck out 53 times. And they both walked 15 times. So to like when you compare these numbers, like ultimately I think at some point we just have to have the realization that Javi Baez is not this – superstar you know he is not chris bryant basically you know what if they want to pay him superstar money to strike out 200 times a year bat 210 and you know whine and cry on the field then i'm all for it yeah let's not uh so baez is hitting 242 cal farmer's hitting 236 Baez has a 287 on base. Kyle Farmer has a 307 on base. Javi has a 482 slugging, which goes into those home runs. While Kyle Farmer has a 362 slugging. But when we're looking at this, ultimately, Javi Baez is getting paid $11.6 million this year. Do we want to throw out a guess for what Kyle Farmer is getting paid this year? 
um, around the minor league deal? $640,000. I will pay $640,000 for the season that Cal Farmer is having. I 100% as a fan will not pay $11.6 million, which is $4 million less than what we're paying Castellanos to watch Javi Baez hit 240 and strike out 200 times. So I don't know who's going to be stupid enough to take that bait, but to like for anybody to even sniff Javi Baez would just be so idiotic to me. And I promise you, if I ever see on Twitter in these next couple of days that we are even sniffing around this deal, I am going to be one upset man. That better not happen. (laughs) (laughs) I would shit my pants if that happened. God, that would be awful. But anyway, moving on. Last, very, very last team, um, Milwaukee. Um, You know, they are in first place by six and a half games. It's going to be six if we hold on to this game. Five, four into seven. But if we hold on to this game, it'll be six. If we don't, it'll be seven that we're back. But. I heard that Milwaukee is also sniffing around story, which really confused me. You know, uh, the offense has been skidding, but Willie Adamas has been the best shortstop. Are we going to venture to say in baseball in the second half? I don't know what, since he got traded to Milwaukee. So, to like to be shopping story, I just I don't know where you'd put him. And I think that I mean, goes back to what we said of like he doesn't have a lot of like versatility of you're not gonna trade for him and then move him to third. Yeah, that that's the only thing that I think they would even you know consider doing would be moving the third. You know, you Luis Urias has struggled at the plate. He struggled in the field. Um, but I just – I don't see the point. You know, obviously Trevor Story can hold his own in the field. Don't get me wrong. But to move him over from short to third just doesn't make sense to me because it doesn't fully utilize how good – story truly is and I don't really see them moving Adamas either exactly and uh, it's just it's hard to have two superstar guys that play the same exact position that I can tell you probably don't want to move um, that would just be ultimately I just don't see it happening you know like we've said pretty much this whole episode stranger things have happened um so i wouldn't necessarily count it out but i would really count on story to the yankees at this point because you have a better they would rather they would rather move torres especially since he's kind of struggled at the plate this year to second then uh, the brewers are willing to move willie adamas anywhere or Trevor story anywhere. But again, stranger things have happened in baseball. So you never really know what these teams are thinking until it happens. Um, And the trade deadline is not over until it is officially over. Guys can get moved. Teams can drop three games and automatically become sellers at that point. Or we could win. I shouldn't say we. Teams could win three or four games, put them right back in the race, and all of a sudden they get a piece, and now, you know, who knows what could happen. 
but ultimately we're really just going to have to really monitor what happens. And I think as a front office, I think the best, best thing for us is eyes and ears have to be open all the time. You've got to be willing to listen to anything and everything, you know, who, who knows you could, Colorado could come back to Cincinnati and say, we really want this, this, and this in Cincinnati. We do it. You know, you know, you really never know until it's officially gone through. So I think for us, the front office, it'd be really smart to just keep those conversations flowing and everybody is available until they're not basically until they've been traded. So any, uh, Shogo just reached on catcher's interference. <laughs> and this team just keeps getting better and better. The Cubs, that is, because they suck. But oh well. We'll uh I'll ride that I'll ride that train until it dies. But any closing thoughts from you? I got nothing. Okay. We'll see you in episode four.